Praise God. And Brother Hart was not just late today. He ministered in Sela this morning. So we'll give him a pass for that. Amen. Amen. I give honor to Bishop and Sister Schoonover today. Thankful that they're here with us. Amen. Would you look at Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1? You might know this one. To everything there is a season. And a time to every purpose under the heaven. The Lord was uh, taking me back to Genesis chapter 1 this week and showing me. I, I guess if you think about it in these terms, we, from being a kid raised in church, you kind of just get the understanding or the thought that... Uh, God and the angels are in heaven. We sort of just think that um, that's where he lives. There's scriptures that say uh, he set his throne above the heavens. Um, and heaven itself is kind of a, a, a I wouldn't say a, a, a question mark, but because to my knowledge, none of us have ever been there, never seen it, we only go off of what we see in scripture and then we, we try to just figure it out a little bit. But if you go through, and I'm not going to take the time to do this today, but if you go through just the first few verses in Genesis, you see God created the heavens and the earth. So my question was, where were you before then? If, you, if I think, just with a limited understanding, that God lives in heaven, or the angels live in heaven, but they existed before Genesis chapter 1, so they're not just constrained to being in heaven, living in, dwelling in whatever's up there in the clouds, or just maybe a little bit beyond the clouds. He made... The earth, and he, he put, it says, a firmament to divide the heavens and the earth, the sky and the ground. So, really, he doesn't even just live or belong in a heavenly dwelling. The scripture, so it says, there's a time to every th purpose under the heaven. I feel like the Lord is, is he's, he's illuminating this word purpose to me today. And so if I look at that verse right there, it says, a time to every purpose. I think, well, there's a purpose to everything. Well, he says, there's a time to every purpose. And 
I know I'm going slow. I apologize if this is not, not shaking you in your seat yet. But in the, those first few words, if you take out the, the English equivalent words that were added by the translators, it really just says, to every a season. Every a season. Everything, every person, every substance, every, every, all, there is a season. So he makes a season, and then in that season, he puts things, or he puts people, or he puts stuff, and he says all of those have a purpose, because they're under heaven. There's a, a purpose under heaven. Everything under heaven has a purpose. We humans, we people, are a part of that. Everybody say, I'm the stuff. Uh, some of you sounded a little conceited when you said that. I am a part of what he created. I am a part of the stuff, the every under heaven. And I and you have a purpose. A purpose. There's a reason why you are here on the earth, under the heavens. Look at the person next to you say, there's a reason for you. There's a purpose for each one of us, every person. God doesn't just, you know, kind of like make some extra. Say, oh, I, I only needed 12, but I made 13 cookies. Oh, this one's extra. We'll just give that one to whoever or whatever. There's no purpose for that one. No, every Every one of us has a purpose, has a reason that God created us. John chapter 15, verse 16. John 15, 16, it says, Ye, or you, have not chosen me. But I have chosen you. If you look all the way back when, when Jesus reached about that age 30 and decided, okay, it's time to really get on the scene and do the work that I was put here for. He goes and he finds disciples and he, follow, he, he tells them, follow me. He calls them and says, follow me. He chose them. It says he was walking and he saw two brothers. In a boat, fishing with nets, and he says, you two, hey, you two, you two brothers, follow me, and I'll teach you how to catch people. You're trying to catch fish. I'll teach you how to catch people. I'll make you fishers of men. So follow me. He chose, he chose those two. I'm sure they weren't the only two fishing at, the, at that time that day. But there was a purpose for him choosing those two. And, and when, when we read this in John 15, he's talking to a greater group, multitude of those that are following him. And he says to them, 
you didn't choose me. You didn't just decide, okay, it's Tuesday, random time. Let's just do something different. Let's go, let's try something else. Oh, let's, let's, there's this guy named Jesus, and people started, you know, talk about him a little. Let's just go see what he's up to. No, it didn't work that way. He chose them. He wants them to know this. That's why he's telling them that. You did not choose me. I chose you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit. I chose you for a purpose, for a reason. I want you to bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. That's part of my purpose. It's part of your purpose that we bring forth fruit and that our fruit remains. The thing that we produce or that's produced through our lives is supposed to not just go away. Not here for a while and then gone and no more. He chose you to bear fruit and that your fruit would remain. Does everybody see that? It's pretty clear, right? That's why we're here. And that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. I chose you with the expectation that you would start asking for stuff, praying for things. And the things that you pray for, the prayers that you pray, your requests, God, the Father, will give them to you. Amen? That's why I'm here. Say, that's why I'm here. Second, uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. So I'm going to remind you there. In John, he says, you've not chosen me. I've chosen you. I selected you. Here he says, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, chosen. Everything has a purpose. Everything has a reason. I like to substitute the word thing for person. Every person has a purpose. Every person has a reason. He chose you for a reason. You're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Okay, we just got from John 15 two instructions, two reasons why he chose us. To bring forth fruit that the fruit would remain and to pray prayers that what we ask in the Father's name, he's going to give it. Now, you're chosen Chosen generation, royal priesthood, holy nation, that you should. We got further instruction. Anybody that thinks you can just float along day by day, no responsibilities, no expectations, I'm just going to wake up and we'll see how today goes. We'll see what kind of day it's going to be. Maybe I'll do something today, maybe not. Maybe I'll pursue the Lord a little bit today. Maybe not. I might save that for Sunday. 
we're missing these scriptures, these very plain, simple scriptures. You, he chose you not just to give you unlimited time and resources for you to figure out what you want to do with your life. That you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you. They used, I don't know when this started, probably early in the 19, uh, 1900s. There was this guy, you might have heard of him, his name is Uncle Sam. And you've probably seen this po poster before, you can picture it. He's on the poster, he's all decked out, red, white, and blue, and he's pointing his finger at you. And he says, I want you. You know, the idea behind that is whoever sees it is supposed to be like, me? You want me? Does anybody remember the rest of what that said? I want you dot, 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 two, dot, dot, dot. What is it? Join the army. I want you to join the army. That, that last part, I think, is in real small letters down at the bottom that little subtext. Oh, you want me? All right, I'm chosen. What are we going to do? We're going to join the army. What? I want you to join the army. He called us out of darkness into his marvelous light for a reason that we would show forth his praises. When somebody looks at, he says, when somebody looks at you, my chosen one, I want them to see me, my praise, my, we use this word, my glory. When they see you, I want them to see me. That's why I chose you. So that you would reflect me. Show forth my praises. There's a purpose. I believe this today. There is a purpose for every person here. A reason for why God created you. I want you to look at this. Just going to take a little bit of time. I show you this story. I told my kids last night. This is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. I got to find it. It's one of my favorites. It's in First Samuel. No, sorry. It's in Judges. Chapter fifteen. Uh, go back to 13. Judges chapter 13. It's one of my favorites, and it took me that long to find it. I like this story. We're gonna, I, I just want to show you a little bit of this story. The children of Israel did evil again. Everybody say again. There's a, there's a pattern here. If you look through all the books of Judges, 
Judges starts with Joshua passing away. If you know Joshua, he's the one that took over when Moses passed away. If you know Moses, he's the one that took the children of Israel out of Egypt. So we got Moses, then we got Joshua. Joshua passes away, and we enter this time where the judges rule the children of Israel after they've come out of Egypt. And they do good, and then they do bad. Then they do good, and then they do bad. We happen to pick up here in Judges 13 where it says they did bad again. The children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines 40 years. Okay, I can't, I can't get away from this. Sorry. Uh, this would probably be the third time that I've mentioned this recently. I didn't ever intend to mention it the first time. There will be a time in this earth when the Lord gives power over to the enemy. He won't be in charge other than saying, you're in charge for this span of time. That will happen. It's not happened yet, but it, the scripture says it will happen in this world, in this life. He who now letteth will let until he's taken out of the way. You know this. It's the exact same principle that we see right here. It's not something new. It's how God operates. The children of Israel, God's chosen people, his holy ones, did evil in the sight of the Lord again. And he said, all right, 40 years is your time that I am going to let somebody else be in charge of you. You wouldn't do that. Lord, you love me. You take care of me. You're always there for me. You're right. I am. And this is part of me being there for you. You're going to be servant to the Philistines for 40 years. That's my decision as taking care of you. And the ones that I want to be there at the end of the 40 years, you'll be there and we'll pick up where we leave off. They did evil in the sight of the Lord. The Lord delivered them in the hand of the Philistines for 40 years. Keep reading. There was a certain man of Zorah of the family of the Danites. That's one of the children of, one of, the children of uh, Jacob, Israel. He, Dan, his name was Dan. So of the Danites in that tribe, a grandson, a great-great-grandson of, trace it up however far you want to go, Jacob, Isaac, Abraham. One of them, his name was Manoah. His wife was barren and bare not. Remind, let me just remind you, this is now after verse 1, when they are given over to the Philistines for the span of 40 years. 40 years, you're gone. I'm not looking out for you. Somebody else is going to be in charge of you. And then, during that 40 years, this is how good God is. During that 40 years, he says, who am I going to work through? Okay, you, Manoah, of the tribe of Dan. Let's start with you. You've got a barren wife. 
No children. No way you can mess this up. I'm going to do it. Next verse. The angel of the Lord appeared unto the woman, the wife of Manoah. The angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, Behold now, thou art barren and bearest not, but thou shalt conceive and bear a son. Next verse. Now therefore beware, I pray thee, because this is going to happen, I'm going to give you some instruction. Drink not wine, nor strong drink. Because you're barren, you can't have children, but you will. And you will have a son. Because of that, drink not wine or strong drink. Let me just pause for a minute and say there's not a time frame that I've seen anywhere in here that's like, you will have a son in... 60 days. So, it, uh, it, in 60 days, no more wine. No, that's not a time frame that's given. It's just instruction that's given. Drink, don't drink wine. Don't drink strong drink. And don't eat any unclean thing. I wonder, I just wonder how many of us are, belong to the Lord so much that he could come to you today and change your diet? I'm just, I just, I'm asking the question. Could the Lord come to you today and say, I'm going to do something awesome, powerful, mighty, through you? The only thing I'm asking you is to give up this. Uh, when is this starting? After today, right? Ooh. Next verse. For lo, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come on his head. I'm not going to do this today, but we could really, if we wanted to, we could get really detailed about the conception of the life and when it started and when the commandments then started. At what point, I'm just going to throw, I'm going to float a theory out there for you. I'm going to assume that the angel of the Lord is smart enough to know when you consume wine or strong drink or eat an unclean thing, how long those chemicals stay in your body. I'm going to assume the angel of the Lord is smart enough to know that. And you shall conceive at some point in the future... And because you are going to conceive, don't drink this. Not, 
you can drink this up until tomorrow at sundown. Or you can have one last feast right up until the last minute. Uh-uh. I'm just, it's an attitude thing. The angel of the Lord, he, the Lord chose Manoah and the wife because of the attitude. And he knew if I go and give this instruction, either they will or they will not follow it. And I'm going to choose somebody that will. Thou shalt conceive and bear a son. No razor shall come upon his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb. Does anybody know who we're talking about now? We're talking about Samson. The child shall be a Nazarite from the womb. That's why, mom, what you eat and drink will determine whether or not this child really can fulfill the vow. There, there's a lot of, lot of things in here, and I'm feeling a lot of things today, but I, and I'm trying not to get the cart before the horse. But mom and dad, the promise starts with you. The commandment, the work of God starts with you. The Lord's looking, he's saying, My, I, I, the time clock is running because I said I'm giving them over for 40 years. I only have 40 years to get the man that I need in the spot that I need him to be at the time I need him to be. That is the promise. So I've got to find a situation that I can move into, that I can control. That I, I already said it. Some of you probably thought I was saying it tongue in cheek, but no, you can't mess this up. You can't accidentally, we've been through this with Abraham. You can't accidentally conceive. It's my thing. And I need my man to do my work. My purpose. We're talking about purpose. So, mom and dad, do your part so that this child can be who I need him to be. From the womb. Not from age two. Not from age one second. Not from age whatever. From the womb. From now, from the time of the commandment, the child will be a Nazarite from the womb. And he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. Because the clock's running. He's got to begin the process when I say go. And he's got to be ready for me to say go before I can say it. I've, oh, hear me right now. The Lord has great things he wants to do through you, through you. And he's ready to say go as soon as I'm listening and I hear the words. How, are you, how do you get ready for a race like this, right? 
<sighs> One of these days we're going to have a race. No, that's how you get ready for an unexpected fire drill. <laughs> you get ready for a race. They say this, on your mark. Get set. Oh, how many times do we miss that when the Lord is working in our life and he's saying, I got a race for you, mister. Mrs., you are going to run. You're going to do awesome stuff. I'm right now, I'm telling you, get on your mark. Get set. What do you mean, get set? We're just, it's Sunday. We're doing what we do on Sunday. No, get set. No, tomorrow's Monday. We're going to do what we do on Monday. Get set. I have a race for you to run. I have instruction. I am, I am going to begin to deliver my work. I see a lot of parallels here in this, in this scripture with Samson. I'm not going to go all the way into this, but John chapter 1 verse 6. John chapter 1, verse 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. A man sent from God. Everybody say sent from God. He had a purpose. He had a reason. There was a man sent from God. God chose him. Next verse. The same... John, the same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. Now, did you know that John had a dad who was a priest? It's either Zechariah or Zacharias. I can never get those two straight. Zechariah. He's the priest. He's going about his work in the temple, and an angel shows up and says, the time clock is running Get ready on your mark, Zechariah. Because oh, however far you want to take this back, Herod is in office. And he's the one that's going to create a rule that's going to cause Mary and Joseph to have to go to Beth. The time clock is running, Zechariah. I don't have a lot of time. I'm going to do a miracle through you. You're going to birth you and your wife will conceive. Oh, no, she's barren. Sorry, you, you got the wrong shift. No, I'm doing it through you. And the time clock is going. Your wife will conceive a child. He's going to be born for a purpose. I need him. It was written thousands of years prior. There will be a voice crying in the wilderness. 
prepare ye the way of the Lord. Now, just so you know, I'm also preparing the Lord, His coming. I just left there. I made sure that that stable was built. Or at least in the process, because He's got to be born in this town. And Zechariah said, how, how, how can this be? I don't have time for questions. I feel like I'm talking to my kids right now. We got to go. Where are we going? We got, mm-mm. Do I need to bring, nope, mm-mm. We got to go. Who's going to be, no, stop. Do you understand? Go. But this is, what you, this is what the angel encounters when he tells Zechariah, I have work for you to do. And you probably know this story. He's stricken, mute, loses his ability to speak. And Elizabeth, that's his wife, conceives a child. And she starts to grow and show. And Zechariah can't say anything about it. Except he's got to be thinking that angel was right. <laughs> and then the child is born. <laughs> the child is born and people are just saying, oh, way to go, Elizabeth. You just had a baby in your old years. We're so proud of you. I wonder what this kid's going to be like. And Zechariah is thinking, I know. I know what he's going to be like. What are you going to call him, Elizabeth? Ralph? And Zechariah gets the ability to speak and says, his name will be John. Because the angel already told me. And he's going to prepare the way of the Lord because he's born with a purpose. Exodus chapter 2, verse 1. And there went a man out of the house of Levi... Another one of the sons, Jacob, took to wife a daughter of Levi. The woman conceived, bare a son. When she saw him that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. Anybody know who we're talking about yet? She hid him for three months. When she could no longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes and daubed it with slime and with pitch, put the child therein, laid it in the flags by the river's bank. Keep reading. His sister stood afar off. You see, it was illegal for this to happen. It wasn't illegal for the sister to be there, but because this was a boy, a male, this is now illegal. But she saw that he was a goodly child. 
He's born with a purpose. And his purpose is not to just be cast in the river because some heathen leader decides, I don't want this to happen. Sister stood off to what would be done to him. She wants to see. The daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river, and her maidens walked along by the river's side. And when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maid to fetch it. When she had opened it, she saw the child. Behold, the babe wept, and she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Next verse. Then said his sister to Pharaoh's daughter, you know that baby's going to keep crying. He's doing what babies do. Do you want me to go get someone that can feed him? It just it'll, it'll he won't be crying anymore. But you know he's he's just a newborn. He needs a lot of stuff. Shall I go call to the a nurse of the Hebrew women that she may nurse the child for thee? Verse 8. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. And the maid went and called the child's mother. Verse 9. Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, Take this child away. Nurse it for me. I will give thee thy wages. All of a sudden, mom is getting paid to mom. The woman took the child and nursed it. Verse 10. The child grew, and she brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter. Imagine the mom as she's raising this boy. You're born with a purpose. There's a reason you're alive. You're born for a reason. One day I won't be here. But the reason will be here. The purpose is here. It is eternal. The child grew and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. She called his name Moses. And she said, because I drew him out of the water. I, I love what I see when I look at the name Moses because it means, it does mean to draw out of. Pharaoh's daughter thought she was just naming him Moses because she drew him out of the water. But he is born with a purpose to draw out. Moses Fast forward all those years later and he's in the wilderness. He sees a burning bush and the Lord speaks to him from the burning bush and says, you were born with a purpose. I have heard the affliction of my people and I am ready to draw them out, Moses. 
I am ready for Moses. I am ready for you. On your mark. Moses, does this sound like anything your mom might have told you when you were one or two or three or however long she got to instill these things? Moses, get ready. You were born with a purpose. Last one. Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. She shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, because he's born with a purpose. He shall save his people from their sins. I just, I can't overlook the fact that this is an angel visiting Joseph. He's already told Mary, you're going to have a child. How many, you realize every, just these, these simple passages that we've read today, they all look like hopeless situations. They all look like struggles, challenges, dead-end roads. But the Lord excels in challenge. He, you know what he does not excel in? People that think they don't need him because they've got it all together. No, he hears affliction. He sees hardship and says, I can work through that. I can manifest myself, my purpose, through that situation. So he's telling, he told Mary, you're going to conceive, you're going to have a, a child. He's going to save his people from their sin. Then he goes and he tells Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. That thing, that thing which is in her, the child, is conceived of by the Holy Spirit. It is the work of God being done. We see it with Samson. We see it with Zechariah and Elizabeth. We see it with Moses, his mother, and his sister. We see it with Mary and Joseph. When the Lord gets ready to move, when the Lord gets ready to do a work, he goes to the parents. He goes to the family. He goes to the immediate closeness of the situation and says, I need to do a work here. I need you to prepare yourself. We can stand.
the Lord knows every situation here. Every time he's spoken a word to you, your mom, your dad, your husband, your child, your wife, whatever it is, he knows the plan that I have for you. You will run a race. You will accomplish a work. You will do great, mighty, powerful things. You have to be listening to the instruction. You have to listen and hear the direction to know what you're supposed to do, when you're supposed to do it. I hear the voice of the Lord talking here to us today. I believe that he would prepare us today. He's calling out to us, get ready, get on your mark, be prepared, be set to go when I say go. Come on, let's pray. These altars are open. You can pray in your seat. You can reach out, step out wherever you want, but I'm encouraging you. Let the Lord speak to you today. In the name of And they that were sent went their way and found even as he had said unto them. 
And as they were loosing the colt, the owners thereof said unto them, Why loose ye the colt? They said, The Lord hath need of him. They brought him to Jesus. They cast their garments upon the colt, and they said, Sat Jesus thereon. As he went, they spread their clothes in the way. When he was come nigh, even now at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of disciples begin to rejoice, praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen. This was an appointed time. This was prophesied many, many years before. Messiah would come. Messiah would come. And this, at this appointed time, sitting on a colt, coming down now, descending from the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of disciples begin to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice. For all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed be the King that cometh in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory to the highest. And some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto him, Master, rebuke your disciples. He answered and said unto them, I tell you that if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. And when he was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it, saying, If thou hadst known, even thou, at the least in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes. He came to reveal himself to mankind. And now he said, this is the, the moment. This is the time. And there are those that see. There are those that recognize this is my time. That's what you're feeling here today. For some, it's been the last few weeks. For some, maybe the last couple of months. But the visitation of God has come to your house, to your family, saying, I've got an appointment for you. I have a purpose. A job, a place for ordained. That's what's going on. But he went on to say as he wept and spoke out because they didn't recognize their hour of visitation. Yet it had been prophesied of old. I'm coming. I will be there. And they didn't recognize their hour of visitation. Through the years I've observed. Never forgot the phone call we got from a young lady that lived out on a tandem. Wanted to come to church. And they, they called my wife and I and said, would you please go and pick up this one. And then 
she invited a, a sister and then it was another sister and before you know the a home bible study had 50 people in it all in one family because this was their time this was their hour of visitation come on we have to come to the place every individual in the house for some there was a visitation the generation that preceded you and so now you walk in what you do because of God's visitation to your family to your grandparents but he has divine purpose and plan for each and every one you have heard the voice of the Lord throughout this entire service today appealing reaching weeping I want to open this altar all over again come and respond come in agreement with him this is my time. This is my hour. Ready. Set. Get ready. Get set. Let the purpose of God unfold in your situation. Come on. He has come to visit your family, your friends, your peers. Come on, you are a light. You are salt. And he has commissioned with purpose for you. In the name of Jesus. Come on, mom. Come on, dad. No wine. No strong meat. Separate yourself unto me. Because there's a calling upon your children. There's a calling on those who will come. Come on, in the name of Jesus, this altar is open. It's broad and it's wide. Come and make commitment. Come into agreement with Him. It is the call of God upon your life. It is His hand reaching with destiny and purpose. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Recognize your hour, your day, the moment of visitation to you, to your house. Don't let him walk out of the city. Don't let him leave without you committing to the purpose of God that has come to your life. my mother's womb you have chosen me and love has called my name and I've been born again into your family your blood flows through my veins I'm no longer a slave to fear 
I am a child of God And I'm no longer a slave to fear I am a child of God You split the sea so I could walk right through my fears are drowned in perfect love you rescued me so i could stand and sing i am a child of god and i'm no longer a slave to fear i am a child of God, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. From my mother's womb, you have chosen me, and love has called my name. I've been born again to your family your blood flows through my veins and i'm no longer a slave to fear i am a child of god i'm no longer a slave to fear i am child of God you split the sea so I could walk right through my fears are drowned in perfect love you rescued me so I could stand and sing I am a child of God
was a wretch I remember who I was I was lost, I was blind I was running out of time And sin separated The breach was far too wide But from the far side of the chasm You held me in your sight So you made a way Across the great divide Left behind heaven's throne To build it here inside And there at the cross You paid the debt I owed Broke my chains, freed my soul For the first time I had hope Thank you Jesus For the blood applied Thank you Jesus It has washed me white Thank you Jesus You have saved my life Brought me from the darkness Into glorious Took my place Laid inside my tomb of sin You were buried for three days 